This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast again. Tim McMaster here along with MOB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, who's back with us after a couple of weeks away on vacation. Jim, how was the time off? Did you uh, check out any minor league baseball while you were away? Yeah, there, there was no minor league baseball to, to check out. I went on a, a cruise for a week, so no minor league baseball. And then the second week was more of a, a, a working vacation, if you will. My, my son is going to go get a graduate degree and maybe two at Oxford in economics. So I spent a week in England basically racing around helping him get set up because it's uh, a little different when your son's going off to college in the United States than when he's going off to college overseas. But I, I, I've been back for a few days I had not realized, I guess, that I had three fancy football drafts and three nights my first three nights back, but all that is behind me now, and I, I think I'm finally catching my breath. Tough to find a baseball game to go to in England, that is for sure. All right, well, we have a lot to cover here on the podcast. Uh, the Pipeline Hitter and Pitchers of the Year are out. We'll talk about that. The Arizona Fall League rosters are out. We'll talk about that as well. And the Minor League postseason, and we have the perfect guest for those topics, Taylor Trammell joining us on the podcast. Taylor, in the postseason right now with Daytona. And then when that's all done, he's going to be actually heading to Arizona for the Fall League, the MVP of the Futures game. Taylor, it's been quite a season for you so far. And obviously, I just mentioned, you still have a lot to go. You guys are tied 1-1 in the playoffs right now, coming off a 6-5 win on Wednesday night as we record this. Um, How do you... You know, you got a lot going on in the mind, obviously, looking ahead to the Arizona Fall League. But just talk about being in the postseason right now at the minor league level and how important you feel that is for you. Well, I'm actually not really looking forward to anything. I'm pretty much just focusing one game at a time right now. You know, uh, everything's exciting in the playoffs. Uh, the fan base in, uh, in Daytona Beach is amazing. So, you know, every game that we go out, we, you know, we're just trying to win. You know, I feel, I feel very confident in our team. We're just uh, – we're rolling right now. We're uh, hitting well. We're uh, pitching well right now. So I'm really looking forward to this next game uh, tonight. Taylor, how much are you just happy to be back on the field and fully healthy? I know you, you dealt with the uh, concussion, and then you know coming back from that, I'm sure that takes some time to sort of uh, get your feet back under you. And it does. It does seem at least first two games of this playoff series uh, that. Uh, you're swinging the bat well. Are are you just happy to have uh, the concussion in in your rearview mirror and and kind of feeling more like the the you that you were for most of the year? Absolutely. So uh, you know when when the concussion happened, it was uh, you know stuff. It was kind of it was kind of funny how it happened. You know just the way that I ran into the wall and everything. My teammates they gave me you know they helped me a little bit, but I thought it was funny a little bit, but. For the most part, you know, I'm just glad. I'm glad to be out there. Glad to help out my team as much as possible. Uh, you know, it's it's good to be, you know, get my swing back. It's it's good to, you know, see the ball well again and everything. So, you know, every time I get a chance to be on the field, I'm happy and blessed to be on there. 
And Taylor, we saw you have a, a huge day at the Futures game where you were MVP, and, and you were also a, a little embarrassed. You said your mom was going to kill you after you <laughs> didn't run out a ball that probably would have been an inside-the-park home run and wound up being a triple. What did your mom say to you after that when she spoke to you, and, and how much heat have you taken for, for going into a home run trot early for what you said was really the only time in your life you've ever done that? Yeah, so uh, my mom, she was perfectly fine with it. She she thought it was hilarious. Uh, she she was dying laughing. My dad, uh, he was <laughs> he he gave me a lot of uh, a lot of stuff for that. And then uh, right as I got back to, uh, actually got my flight from D.C. to uh, Tampa to play in Clearwater uh, against the Threshers Phillies organization. And right as I walked in, there was a picture of me holding up two. And, uh, you know, they put it into my locker and everything. It, it was pretty funny. It was, you know, a lot of people, I don't think I'm ever going to live that down because that, that probably was the most infamous, funniest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. So uh, there's a there's a gift. There's a gift out right now. Um, and my girlfriend plays it all the time, and she thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> and so I think it's, it's just the funniest thing ever. But looking back at it now, you know, I just tell people I was trying to go for the cycle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, needless to say, uh, Taylor, you'll never not run out a ball again for the remainder of your career. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> Uh, Taylor, you uh, coming out of high school were also a great football player. Besides baseball, you ended up going the baseball route, but you were committed to Georgia Tech to play both sports. Um, as we record this, the NFL season is getting underway tonight. College football got started last weekend. Do you ever get an itch at all this time of year when you see guys getting back out there on the football field? Do you miss it at all? Yeah, I tell people this all the time, like, like, the biggest thing for me was when I was running out on the field to start the game, that's when, like, my adrenaline rush and everything. And I still get that sometimes. But for the most part, I'm I'm not really, like, pressing or I'm not really upset at the decision I made because I'm playing baseball. This is a game I love. And, uh, you know, football was something that I did um, in high school. It was something I thought I could do in uh, college. But, you know, baseball Baseball has my heart, and, uh, you know, I look at, you know, my friends now, the guys that I graduated with and everything, and they're playing college football. I think this is going to be their draft year to go to the NFL this year. So I'm looking at those guys. I'm rooting on those guys. I'm, I'm bragging to everybody, like, oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. I played football with him. He played football with me, and we grew up together, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I, I look at those guys, and I'm happy for them, the, uh, the way that they work and everything, but – you know, I don't. I don't look back and say, you know, I wish it would have been football or anything like that. No, I I still get a little chills here and there. I love watching a good football game. I prefer college football over uh, NFL football though, because I think you know college football, you know, just a little bit, you know, just gets the adrenaline running a little bit more. So uh, I, I don't. I I think it's just awesome. I, I still, like I said, I still get a little bit chills when you know I see those guys run out on the field. But when the whistles blow and the kickoff goes off, I'm I'm perfectly fine just sitting at home. <laughs> Fewer concussions, the one you had, uh, notwithstanding, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I want I want to uh, stir the pot a little bit here because, mm -hmm. as Tim mentioned, you were a Georgia Tech commit, and mm -hmm. our very own Jim Callis uh, attended the <laughs> University of Georgia. Uh, so there's got to be some trash talking that can go on uh, <laughs> that uh, a Northeasterner like myself just 
won't quite understand. I want the two of you to mm-hmm. sort of have at it, and Tim and I will sort of stand back like you know, <laughs> like it's watching a car wreck. So, uh, Taylor, I mean, <laughs> if you have anything to say to Jim uh, about Georgia Tech versus Georgia, please, now is the opportunity. Um, I will say, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I, I think that every year that – every year – Georgia talks about how they're going to have a, you know, a national championship team, and they, like, never do. But <laughs> I'm not saying it in a bad way, but, you know, I got, I got some guys that I know that play on the team. I think they have a chance this year, actually. They, they actually do. So I'm not going to say anything too bad about them, but they talk a lot. That's all I'm going to say. No, I think that's fair to say. I, I don't think I'm that way. And in fact, you know, Johnson, we actually talked about this a little bit when I talked to Taylor in spring training. If I remember correctly, the, the, my, my biggest chagrin about all this was I don't think my Bulldogs recruited Taylor, which I don't quite understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that I don't quite understand. Although, if you look at the two programs, Georgia baseball finally got back on track this year, mm-hmm. and they, they've owned Georgia Tech in both sports for, for a little while. So, so hopefully that yeah, they, can continue. They have, they have. And I'm going to go off and say, you know, I really don't have a, you know, I really don't have a big college football team. If anybody, I'll say that I root for Alabama. Most of the time, uh, I'm not Alabama fan. I'm not an Alabama fan. But I really do love the way Nick Saban coaches and the way that he gets after his players. I was watching the game last week. He was, I think they were up like 30 30 or 40-something to, like, nothing or seven. And a guy got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Any other coach would have probably said, oh, whatever, we're up by 40 in the third quarter. Who cares? He's just getting on them, just giving it to them. And I'm like, you know, that's the kind of stuff, the little details like that are things that I can apply into my life and apply to other people's lives, you know. So that's, a, that's, that's kind of what I like about him and that Alabama football program. Yeah, it's it's hard not to respect Nick Saban in Alabama football. I'm, I'm going to turn this back to, to baseball now, Taylor, and ask you, mm-hmm. what um, what were your development goals for the season? What were you hoping to work on and improve at, and how do you feel like you've done that now? I mean, I know you're still playing the playoffs, but now that the regular season's over. Yeah, okay, so this year I, I, I pretty much was just uh, – the biggest thing was just being consistent. And uh, going from last year to this year, I improved on it. And – I still feel like I should. I, I still have things to improve on with that. So uh, one thing that I think I, I do a pretty good job is my plate discipline. But at the same time, consistently, it's, it's kind of like up and down a little bit. There will be games where I'm seeing the ball well and I'm taking pitches the way I know I should be taking pitches. And then there's other games where, you know, I'll, I'll swing a pitch in the dirt where I get to – I've worked myself to a 3-2 count and I, you know, I swing at a bad pitch or, you know, which could have been a walk. And, you know, that's just – it's just little things like that. Um, defensively getting better reads on balls um, because now guys, as I move up, I'm seeing guys hit the ball harder, you know. It's not going to be a little, you know, blue pop, pop flies. Guys are hitting the ball harder. I have to be one step ahead of the ahead of the play. Um uh, taking my reads, uh, understanding what's going to happen before the play, you know, mentally changing before the plays and everything like that. So it's just little small things that I can uh, improve on and be consistent at. I feel like I've gotten a better job at it coming from last year in uh, class Norway. 
and being in class high this year, I think I've gotten a better job at that. But at the same time, I feel like there's things that um, there's still things that I can improve on and still get better at going going further in my career. So are there are so, I would imagine some of those things are things that you're going to want to you know try to work on in the hours of a fall league. You and I spoke briefly when the rosters were announced uh, about being excited about the opportunity. Um, you know, since then, have you been able to talk to more people uh, uh, about what the atmosphere is like there? And, are, you know, are there things specifically that you're going to head there and say, boy, you know, I, I hope I can sort of really kind of hone in on these things to, to help get me ready for that, that next really big jump up to double A next year? Yeah, yeah. so I've, I've talked to a few guys. Um, you know, I talked to, you know, I think, I, yeah, I talked to Brantley Bell about it. He was there last year on our team. They pretty much just told me it's a fun atmosphere, but at the same time, you know, guys, you have to work on stuff. And uh, I'm not really sure uh, the things that, you know, the organization wants me to work on. I know me personally, I want to work on my throwing because I feel like that's that's just another tool that I can get better at. You know, that's just something I can get better at, something I talked about earlier, you know, plate discipline. You know, I want to get there and I want to see balls. I want to see balls and connect with my pitches and not miss my pitch or not even swing at, uh, you know, really good pitches that are borderline and just say, understand, like, I can take a strike. I can take a strike, you know, understand all those things. And those are those are some little things that I just think I can work on in the fall week. All right, time for some Twitter questions. We have a couple of them, Taylor. Uh, Jonathan put out the, the message on Twitter for people to, to get their questions in for you. The first one comes from Vander. He wants to know, what goes through your mind during a prolonged slump? In general, how do you end up working your way out of one of those slumps? Uh, so the biggest thing is uh, when I'm in a slump, I'm telling myself I'm not in a slump. And, uh, you know, Derek Jr. once said, you know, you're one, you know, you're just one hit away or you're one at bat away from getting out of the slump. So that's kind of what I think about a little bit. I don't really, you know, the bad thing that I do, not this year, but, you know, in the past was, you know, I would press a lot. So I would be like, okay, okay this is, I, I got to get hit. I got to get hit. I got to get hit. No, I have to get it. I have to have a good at bat because a walk is getting out of slump, in my opinion. So if I walk, I'm out of the slump because I'm seeing the pitches. If I walk on four straight pitches or five straight pitches, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good and I'm seeing the ball up. Not trying to do too much. That's another thing. So if I'm if I'm in a you know I don't like to say slump really. I like to say a little rut. So uh, so if I'm in a little rut, uh, I'll say you know you know don't try to do too much. You don't have to hit a home run to get out of the slump. You get a base hit, you know broken bat base hit something just to get your mind out of it. Um, I know this year I was in a little bit of a rut and uh, you know I had a button base hit uh, down the first base line. That's something that got me out of it, and then I think I went. I think I ended up getting three hits off, or two more hits off of that, and had a three-hit game. So I was like, you know, that's it's just a little thing that you know can get me out of it. So it's 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 not really anything, you know, too mentally, but you just can't let yourself get in that, um, you know, that little bind where you're like, oh, I'm in a slump, I'm in a slump. You know, you can't do that. So that's that's one thing I could say. All right, uh, our other Twitter question comes from Chris Christensen at Figgy underscore 13. And you, you touched on this a little bit, uh, I, I think, Taylor, but this, which part of your game is tested the most as you move up the pipeline? And congratulations on an amazing season. Oh, yeah, it's, it's my plate discipline. Uh, I think, you know, guys are going to 
guys are going to show their best stuff um, as you go up. And, you know, I have to show, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hitter. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a, a good hitter. And I can't, I can't give in to, you know, one pitch and get down on myself if it's a really good pitch and they call it a strike. I can't, I can't do that. So, yeah, play discipline is something that, you know, is tested uh, every single day. All right, you ready for rapid fire, Taylor? I'm not sure what rapid fire is. All right, these ready. are these are quick <laughs> quick questions, or actually, the questions aren't necessarily quick, but the answers can be quick. Um, okay. Just have a, not too many of them, so we'll kind of zip through these real quick. Uh, number one, your toughest bus trip in the minors so far in your career? Going from Billings to Grand Grand Junction, uh, Colorado. Wow. I think it was like 12 or 13 hours. You didn't even hesitate. You didn't even think about that. That was impressive. That's one of the famous ones, I guess, down on the minor league circuit. That is a long one, though. That's rough. All right, up next. (laughs) And this kind of goes back to the Futures game a little bit. That's where I got the idea. When it comes to home runs, do you prefer inside the park or over the wall? Inside the park, 100%. All right, back to football real quick. Who did you compare yourself to as a running back? Oh, wow. Uh, goodness gracious. Uh, I would say, um, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't have an answer. <laughs> uh, but I have to answer. I have to answer. Um, goodness gracious. How about a small spin off of it? Who who did you kind of look up to the most as a Adrian runner? Peterson. There we go. What was it? Adrian Peterson. Okay, that's a good one. Nice, nice. And I actually watched your high school um, highlight reel, and you had that tough style, uh, breaking tackles and all that stuff, so certainly. All right, last one. How often do people get your last name wrong, especially with Alan Trammell going into the (laughs) Hall of Fame this year? A lot. At least every homestand. Every every series they get it wrong, every series, except for Daytona because they've got it. All right, well, the, you keep playing the way you are, and people are going to know that it's Trammell, Taylor Trammell <laughs> and not Trammell. Thanks for joining us so much, Taylor. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Taylor. Good luck to Taylor in the playoffs and then the Arizona Fall League. He's had quite a season going back to the Futures game as well. And what an interview, guys. Jonathan, just a great guy to talk to as well. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about having him on, we knew our, we, I think we all knew our jobs were going to be uh, much easier. Uh, you know, he came – Early uh, Fall League was one of the guys we toured around with, went to the African-American Museum with him, and he was tremendous there. Uh, you saw the personality during the Futures game, and he's got the tools and, and talent to match. I can't wait to see him out in, in, in the Fall League where it's you know, laid back and loose, but people get their work in. I think it's going to be perfect for him, and it's going to be that really good stepping stone uh, for him to, to get to, to the, the upper levels and uh, swinging about really well in the playoffs, homered in game one, a couple hits in game two. So uh, clearly has uh, turned the page on what was probably a little bit of a frustrating ending just with, uh, we won't call it a slump, right? He called it a rut with his, a little bit of a rut and then the, uh, then the concussion so sl- slowing him down as well. Uh, taking those things out of the account, the equation, Jim, the, the injury and, and the concussion and stuff, um, he's had a big year. He's had big moments. How quickly is he going to kind of, get jump-started on the ladder to the majors starting in 2019? Well, I mean, a lot of it, I think, you know, as we've seen, you know, it seems like we see it more and more every year. I think a lot of it has to do with how quickly the Reds can return to contention. I mean, if the Reds are due for a couple more tough years, and they probably are, 
it wouldn't really surprise me if he spent most of next year in 2020 in the minors because there's not a lot of incentive for a rebuilding team to rush a guy to the big leagues. I mean, if you look at the progress he's made, and one of the things that's always stood out to me about Taylor Trammell is that for a two-sport guy, he, he wasn't raw. I mean, he's got a pretty good idea at the plate, which isn't always the case with the two-sport guys. I mean, I think he could be ready by, say, mid-2020, but there's also a possibility we may have to wait till 2021 to see him. All right, he'll be in the Arizona Fall League, as will plenty of other big-time prospects. Um, I'm going to skip the top prospect going to the Arizona Fall League because we're going to talk about him later in the podcast. But a lot of other guys, um, some of these guys like Taylor, also playing in the postseason right now. But um, it's been an interesting season, guys, for Forrest Whitley. Obviously, the way it started with um, the suspension, and then he, he also had some nicks along the way. So this is a no-brainer, right, Jonathan, that Forrest Whitley would be heading to the Arizona Fall League to kind of catch up a little bit and get those innings in? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was you know a chance that uh, even without the injuries, maybe just because of the missed time early now, if he had gotten on a roll and did pitching really, really well, then uh, maybe he would have gotten called up to the big leagues. Um, but, yes, uh, he, he needs to make up for some lost time. I think he will be in the, the Astros plant at some point in 2019. If all things go well in the fall, he could really help point him in that direction. He's actually slated to pitch game three in his Texas League playoff series, which uh, initially caught me uh, by surprise because he'd been on the disabled list. I didn't know that he was going to come back for that, but he'll get some playoff innings in as well, uh, which, which will be good. And then he can sort of gear up uh, towards the however many innings they want him to get in the fall league. Whitley, the Astros' number one overall prospect, number seven in the top 100 right now. A lot of the guys that that um, top guys that appear here that are heading to the Arizona Fall League, uh, kind of similar as far as their seasons were shortened for some reason or another. Sixto Sanchez of the Phillies is headed. He's the Phillies' top prospect, number 17 overall in the top 100, um, and he had such a huge 2017 gym, and then 2018, the innings shortened a little bit because of injuries. What do you hope to see from him down in Arizona? Uh, you know, I just want to see, you know, I, I had one scout compare him to, to Pedro Martinez the year before. I, I just, I'm hoping we get a fully healthy Sixto Sanchez, which he should be, because if he isn't, they wouldn't have him down there. You know, he's had some, I think, a minor elbow, you know, tenderness at times this year. But, I mean, you heard about a guy who can, you know, show you three-plus pitches or sometimes better than plus pitches last year. You know, you're just looking forward to seeing him. I mean, as you mentioned, it's kind of an obvious thing with pitchers. You know, if they haven't, if they've missed time, but it's not a serious arm injury, to bring him to the fall league. That's usually the best pitching prospects. And with Whitley, Johnson mentioned the playoffs. I think with Whitley, every inning he can pitch is important. And I'll be curious if they try to maybe, I'm just speculating here, get him into some kind of you know foreign winter ball league as well. Because he's only pitched 26 innings going into his playoff start tonight. And if you're looking at a guy who theoretically could be ready to contribute the big league level last year, you need to build his innings up. I mean, I would assume he'll get, you know, unlike, I mean, he'll probably be, you know, uh, you know, we, I don't think we're going to have to worry, Jonathan, about Forrest Whitley reaching an innings limit in the fall league before the playoff game starts if they get that far. He'll, he'll probably, my, my guess is Forrest Whitley is a good candidate to lead the AFL in innings. But even that said, you know, count that in the playoffs, he might not pitch more than 70 innings this year. So they've they got to get him some innings. And, you know, and, and, you know similarly, you know, I don't think he's as advanced. 
with the way J.B. Bukaskis pitched for the Astros toward the end of the year, and he'll be in the fall league too. I mean, he he was in a car accident in spring training, and they had some back issues, but he's only pitched 59 innings. So I think both those guys, the Astros are going to look to get them as many innings as they possibly can because they might be ready to help the big league club next year. One of the cool things about the Arizona Fall League is the fact that these guys are coming from all different levels. It's kind of like the Futures game in that respect, only it's for a month and they get to play multiple games. Uh, Jonathan, you look at the the kind of the full list of rosters for this year's Arizona Fall League. Is there someone you're really interested to see how they do with that? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's so hard to pick one guy. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm – Always excited to see, uh, say, Brendan Rodgers play. Um, I think we're both excited to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know that we necessarily need to uh, talk about him too much. Um, so if I'm going to go like with the the most excited to see non Vlad Jr. and non not the pitchers. Um, you know what? I, I want to see Christian Pache of the Braves. Uh, not that he's like the guy. Uh, you know, it's just that he's a guy that I've heard about for a while. I had Braves fans yelling at me that we had him underranked. He's firmly in our top 100 now. Uh, he's not like Ronald Acuna Jr. in terms of the power, but he's got a ton of speed, sort of top of the order profile, an exciting player. Uh, this will be a, a good challenge for him. He did make it to Double A this year, so uh, he's a guy I'm um, excited to see in this kind of setting to to see how he compares to to some of the other guys who'll be on the field. Same question for you, Jim. Yeah, you know it's funny. You you asked me at the beginning of the podcast about keeping up with uh, stuff while I was on vacation. The one thing I did was uh, I did when I got the emails from the Arizona Fall League, uh, kept checking to see what, you know when we were going to get the. The roster with Vladimir Guerrero. I didn't know who was with which organization. Every time I got a new roster, it's like it was Vladimir Guerrero on here. Is Vladimir Guerrero on here? But I think the, the the two guys I'm most interested in seeing are kind of similar. It would be the Cuban outfielders that I've never seen in person. Uh, Luis Robert of the White Sox and Julio Pablo Martinez of the Rangers. You know, multi-tooled. You know, outfielders who could do a lot of things. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys uh, they, against you know by far the best competition they will have faced in in pro ball to this point. All right, the reason I didn't ask you guys specifically about Vlad Guerrero Jr. was because I did want to talk about the Pipeline Awards that are coming out and have been unveiled. The Hitter and Pitcher of the Year, no surprise, the Pipeline Hitter of the Year is Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, I mean, if there was ever a no-brainer as far as these awards go, it's, it's obviously this one this year. Do you remember, Jonathan, ever having a guy this far and above everyone else when it comes to an award like this? Well... It's funny. I have such a terrible institutional memory for this sort of thing. Um, you know, I don't Acuna even remember was last year. Choice last year, wasn't he? Yeah, Acuna was pretty slam dunk. But I feel like there were a couple other guys that we at least talked about. None of whom I can think of right now. <laughs> um, so this is this will be the part of the podcast we'll want to clip and 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 disseminate on social media. Um, so. There was no discussion this time. Now, maybe, you know, in past years, even with Acuna, we knew he was going to be, you know, the guy, but lay, let's make sure. And this one, it was pretty much Vlad Jr. next. And then, you know, like, you know, in the story, I did mention other guys who had really, really good years. Eloy Jimenez, Kyle Tucker, 
uh, Peter Alonzo leading the minors and homers and RBIs. I mean, there are other guys who in other years would probably get more serious consideration, but what Vlad Jr. did this year uh, was just absurd. Uh, save for the knee injury, there was really nothing that slowed him down. And, uh, you know, even in the, in triple a where he quote unquote slumped cause he only hit three thirty six. Um, his strikeout rate went down and his walk rate went up. Um, so, uh, there are not enough superlatives to describe the, the year that he had. Jim, you know, he's going to go down to Arizona and rake. I mean, I can't imagine that not happening, but what about the defense? Is that something that you will kind of be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I, in fact, that's one of the things. I mean, look, when you go to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. play, you, you want to go watch him hit, but I'll be curious to see how the defense looks because you get <clears throat> mixed reports on it with some scouts will say, ah, the guy's got no real chance to play third, and other people will say, you know, he's better than he gets credit for. So I'm kind of curious to see with my own eyes how he looks. I mean, all, all that said, I mean, I know I've brought this comparison up a thousand times. I'll do it again. I mean, he just reminds me of Miguel Cabrera Jr., and if he's – a poor third baseman, it's not going to matter because he's going to crush the ball. And if you move him to first or you stash him in the outfield, it doesn't matter. This guy's going to win batting titles and probably hit you know, 30, 40 homers a year. And, yes, you'd love him to be Nolan Arenado at third, but he could be a DH and still be a superstar. You're thinking of other good-hitting prospects that have come up uh, struggling over at the hot corner. How would he compare to a guy like Rafael Devers with the Red Sox? Um... I think I think Devers I would put ahead of him at the same stage. Not that Devers people thought he was ever going to be, you know, like a Gold Glover over there. But the more he played, you got kind of a universal. Ah, you know what? He's got a chance to be, you know, adequate or average over there. Um, you know, with Guerrero Jr., you know, I think it's still more of a work in progress. All right, the Pipeline Pitcher of the Year is Dylan Cease, another White Sox prospect that they got from another organization. Him going, of course, from the north to- north side to the south side last year in the uh, Quintana deal. What did he do, Jonathan? He was pretty dominant this year. I mean, he it, it was, you name it, he did it. Uh, I mean, something as simple, like I know we don't talk a lot about wins and losses, but he, I think he didn't lose a game until, uh, I mean, the last loss was May 11th. Um, and I know wins and losses, again, are not the be-all, end-all, but you've you got to be doing something right to go that long without registering a, a loss. But aside from that, it's just his strikeout rate was was ridiculous. It was fourth among all minor league starters. He 189 batting average against. He piled up the strikeouts. Uh, he allowed fewer than three earned runs in 20 of his 23 starts. Uh, you know, he was – completely dominant after moving up to double a, um, you know, so he just checked off all the boxes that, you know, as he moved up to a a higher level um, and is now kind of young for his level, even though he had Tommy John surgery. uh, And, uh, you know, I'm very excited to see him eventually get up to Chicago and and form uh, just a ridiculous one, two punch with Michael Kopech. It is uh, the the guys are starting to come from all those trades for sure. A lot of them already up with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, was this a little closer as far as conversation, Jim, for pitcher of the year? Well, I mean, I think a little closer in terms. Of it wasn't just everybody saying, "Yeah, it's Vlad Guerrero Jr." But if you really look at the numbers, 
I don't know who else you could really give it to. I mean, there was nobody who dom who who was. I mean, it's it's mainly performance based, but there's you know some prospecty goodness baked into it too, and you factor age and level and stuff. And like, I really don't know who else you would go with. Um, I mean, Josh James had a spectacular year strikeout wise, but his ERA was you know almost a, a full run higher than Dylan Cease's. You know, Chris Paddock was pretty spectacular. But he missed time. He only had 17 starts. You know, maybe if Chris Paddock had a full year, you know, Brennan McKay was spectacular, but he had an abbreviated season too. So I don't. It wasn't like the hey, we don't have to think about this very long. But I don't even really know who. Like I don't think anybody was really close to him. Do you, Jonathan? No. In the end, I, I feel like I went into it thinking Vlad Jr. was a slam dunk. Well, pitching might be close, and then once you've really looked at the numbers, and it, you didn't have to dig that deep, it's just that Cease was so dominant uh, consistently over the course of a whole season over a, uh, you know, a, a, a good number of innings that it made it, made it pretty obvious that he, that he needed to be the guy. All right, so there's your awards, Pipeline Hitter and Pitcher of the Year. The Team of the Year also coming out. We'll talk about, about that a little bit maybe next week on the podcast. We mentioned the minor league postseason. It's underway. Taylor Trammell's team 1-1 right now in their postseason run. A lot of the guys in those playoffs are also headed to the Arizona Fall League, so I don't want to go into too much of the same guys and repeating it for us. Whitley uh, for Corpus Christi. Uh, but Kyle Tucker, another guy for the Astros, their number two prospect behind Whitley. He'll be in the playoffs for the AAA Fresno Grizzlies. So the Astros are going to be in the postseason. The Astros AAA team is going to be in the postseason, and the Astros AA team in the postseason. That's uh, that's pretty good, Jonathan. The Astros are good. Yeah. What? what? I know, going out on a limb there. Um yeah, they're uh, they're pretty good, the Astros, uh, and they're young. I mean, this is, we're not talking about you know guys old to their level or, or or anything like that. Kyle Tucker was ridiculous down the stretch for Fresno. I think he had uh, over 420 and uh, slugged over 900 over the last month of the AAA season. Uh, and this is after you know going up to the big leagues and scuffling a little bit. So he didn't take it back with them. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. And I mean, they even Jordan Alvarez is on that uh, Fresno team as well in AAA, uh, another top 100 guy for the, for the Astros. So they have a lot more talent coming to the big leagues or for use in trades, depending on on what they want to do, so they can sustain what they're doing at the big league level. All right, so. I think we've talked about this a little bit before, Jim, but where do you weigh in on as far as postseason minor league baseball? Obviously, it's more baseball, which is great for players who are developing. But where do you stand on competitive baseball and the chance to go out and win a championship with guys that you're going up through the system? Is there real value there? I think there is. I mean, look, it's more important, you know, whether you can hit the curveball or, or throw your changeup for strikes from a development standpoint. But, I mean, I'm sure Jonathan's heard this a bunch of times, too. It's, you know, I know the Cubs had a, had guys who, who won championships together coming up through the minors before they won the World Series. And, and other championship clubs have, too. You know, you mentioned the Astros are winning a lot at the big league level. And, you know, I think the games do mean a little bit more. You know, you're not necessarily on national TV, uh, you know, when you're playing in the Florida State League playoffs, but there's still pressure. I mean, those championships matter to the local towns. 
uh, you know, to the fan bases there. So I, I think it does matter. Um, you know, and, you know, also, as you said, Tim, I think just the chance, you know, like, you know, we, we talked about earlier, you know, Force Wheeler hasn't pitched much this year. He gets to actually make a start, and it's a meaningful start. That's good. I mean, it, it, I love the fall league, but those games aren't as meaningful as, say, you know, trying to win – you know, a minor league championship. I mean, I do think the players take them seriously, but I also, you know, until you kind of, you know, kick in the final week, okay, hey, we got to make our playoff drive. You know, players out there, I mean, I think they basically want to win when they take the field, but I don't think too many players are getting too worked up about, hey, you know, we got to get, uh, you know, the Scottsdale Scorpions into the championship. Yeah, I think that's fair. Although, you know, as you pointed out, once they get to that game, it's amazing how that switch turns back on. Oh, yeah, uh, exactly. They may take every at-bat seriously in the fall league, you know, and, and, and that's a challenge. But then it's, you know, you get to that final and, and they go back to that, you know, super competitive uh, uh, nature, which is always fun to see. And I think the minor league playoffs, yeah, and it gives, it gives scouts the opportunity to see how players react to that situation, whether or not there's a, you know, a big crowd, uh, you know, Taylor Trammell talked about Daytona's fan base. That's great. But the Florida State League does not draw, uh, not nearly as much as probably what he saw, certainly playing in, in Dayton, which draws really well. Um, but uh, whether or not there, there are a lot of fans in the seats on the field, any chance that these guys have to compete at that extra level, that chance to win a championship, it, it, it raises the stakes a little bit more and, player development guys, scouts, they like to watch to see how they re- how players react to those situations. Um, and, and it's just another nugget to, to store away, and I totally agree. And I think more and more player development staffs will talk about sort of that whole breeding a, a, a winning culture thing. Uh, it, maybe it's not the be-all, end-all, uh, but they like it if guys come to the big leagues with an expectation uh, to to win, they don't have to learn uh, the idea that winning is is the is of the utmost importance, and and I think that helps a little bit when they do eventually get up to the big leagues and are expected to help a team compete for the playoffs at the highest level. You definitely do see the case where a team gets a nice core group of prospects and they win at every level along the way, single A, double A, triple A. Then you get to the big leagues and you just kind of expect it at that point, and there's something to be said for that for sure. And as we all know, championship flags fly forever regardless of what level it is at. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Pipeline Podcast. Thanks again to Taylor Trammell for joining us. For Jim and Jonathan, I'm Tim McMaster. We'll talk to you again next time.